This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Welcome to the Voice of Leadership. And today I'm really excited about our topic. We're going to be talking about sales and we're also going to be talking about influence because guess what? Sales is really all about influence. It's about being a leader. And no matter what business you're in, there's some element of sales and or influence. And today, I have a very special guest to help us talk about this subject. So let me tell you about my special guest. My guest today is Anna Scheller. And Anna is an award-winning podcaster, speaker, and TV show host, as well as the best-selling author of Black Belt Selling, Closing with Confidence. She coaches entrepreneurs to develop strategies that result in more sales for their businesses while creating profit for future growth. She began her business career as a real estate investor and has learned many lessons as a result. She's currently the executive member and founder of Capri Temporary Housing and still actively invest in real estate, albeit with more experience. Anna is also a full-time mother and homeschooler. She's assistant to the youth pastor at Esperanza First Community Church, small group leader for Christian discipleship, and she served for five years as an Air Force officer. She co-hosts Black Belt Selling with her daughter, Stephanie, and has her own show, Sales Mastery, which airs on iTunes and Roku TV. Why Black Belt Selling? Anna just achieved her fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo at the age of 58. She is also the mother of seven children and is married to Philip Scheller. They live in Del Rio, Texas. So welcome, Anna, to the show, to the voice of leadership. I am so delighted to have you here today. Well, thank you for inviting me. It was a real treat to be asked to be your guest. I'm excited about the topic. I think it's very appropriate for the times we're living in. Absolutely. So let's just get started. And of course, you know, Anna, I'm going to be really excited about some aspects of your background. So before we get into sales and influence, let me just say that you are my kind of woman as a former Air Force officer. As most of my audience knows, and you probably know too, I was in the Army as an Army officer. So we are both sisters in arms, if you will. And I'm very excited to know about this fourth degree black belt in Taekwondo. So tell us about both your Air Force time and a little bit about Taekwondo and how you got in that. Tell us about it. Well, thank you for asking. And my Air Force career started with a crush on a guy in college. This guy was a Marine. He was like gung-ho. And so I actually, I'd never considered going into the military before. 
I just started looking into the possibilities. There was an ROTC detachment there at Central Washington University where I was going to school. And I, I just went to them and I said, hey, what's it look like? And of course I was a straight A student. So they were very eager to bring me into the ranks. I came in on a scholarship and it was in the Air Force that I met my husband. And it was, it was very interesting because I never considered myself a leader, to be quite honest. I mean, I was just a young woman, you know, going to college, and I really had no direction for my life after college, except that, you know, I was, I was in psychology, so I was going to eventually become a counselor. And then when I got into the Air Force, they started to groom me in leadership skills, how to lead people, how to influence people. And what I found was that by tapping into my natural tendencies, my own personality, I was able to speak with people and talk to people who normally would be put off by the rank. Now, of course, as a lieutenant, let's be honest, an LT is usually the one that doesn't get anything but all that special duties. But I had several opportunities to be a real leader. And even when I got pregnant and I wanted to get out and wasn't able to get out, and I was stuck in this kind of hole-in-the-wall place, kind of they wanted to put me away because they thought that I would just be a bad egg for the unit. I ended up getting promoted out of that into an executive officer role, working directly for the colonels. And so I remember at one time they told me, they said, you know, we put you there because we thought you were just going to be a real pain but you actually ended up becoming a real asset. I got out because my desire to have a family and to be present for my family was much stronger than any desire to become a colonel or a general or whatever. Although I will say it was really tempting. It was very tempting. And then of course I, I got out, had kids. As you said, I had seven children. And one of our children had become the victim of crime. She'd been bullied and she was really suffering in a terrible way. So we found a Christian Taekwondo school in our town and there had a camp, some kind of sports camp going on. So we took my daughter there. It turned out that it was a family school. So that meant that not only could I enroll my children, but I could participate as well. So I thought, you know, that'd be a really great thing to do. Hang out with my kids, you know, kick and do all that fun stuff. Well, then three years passed and they approached me about my first black belt. And I thought, you can't be serious. Really? Not me. But what I learned, that black belt journey taught me that I had a lot more in me than I thought. It also taught me a lot about humility because even when I put the black belt on for the first time, I realized I still had a lot of learning to do. And then as you go, there's a saying that you are novice until you've been in the art for 20 years. So right now I've been in the art for 13 years. So I'm still considered a novice, even though I just got my fourth degree black belt and I'm now considered a master. And as a master, I lead by example. I lead through teaching. And I'm part of the team that leads the whole school to excellence. So it's been a real journey. I practice Taekwondo at least two to three times a week just to stay up on my skills. And if I'm lucky in about 
four years, I'll be asked to test for my fifth degree black belt. Wow. So this is really a powerful beginning and story about your own history, because what it shows us is that leadership really is a journey. And sometimes we might not even feel that we're totally prepared or even ready for it. And yet we have these opportunities that we step into. You also mentioned that Marine who you saw at the beginning, who actually inspired you to consider the Air Force, that right there is influence in action in terms of how he showed up to really paint the picture of what the military might be like and what the opportunity could be for you. And clearly when we're each in a role or in a job that meets more of our skills and passions. So when you got into the executive officer role, when they thought, oh, she's just not going to do well, you really nailed it. So your own story and your own journey is a lot about that influence, a lot about that sales journey, and it's a lot about leadership. So I, I want to thank you for sharing that. And I want to let my audience know, yes, you are a force to be reckoned with. So, <laughs> so that's a good deal. So let me just ask you this now. So we know and we've been saying sales and leadership, they're all about influence. All effective leaders have to be influential. So let's start there. What is a working definition of influence? So influence is about having an impact on people's behaviors and their attitudes and their choices. Now, influence is often confused with control or power, but influence is terribly more subtle and more of a service. So we don't want it to be about manipulating other people. Dr. Karen, we can think of people who have used their influence to manipulate. And just with my sales background, thinking about the stereotypes of salespeople, how we think about somebody who's pushy or somebody who's not going to tell you the whole truth in order to deceive you into making a decision that will benefit their pocketbook and not benefit you as well. That is not true influence. And that's not influence that makes you a leader because leadership is about service. And so if I'm really going to influence people, I'm going to put their best interest first and help them to see the choices that will further their cause and not necessarily mine, although hopefully it will be a win-win situation, you know? Yeah, that's ideal when it's actually a win-win. And if you're just in it for yourself, it sounds like what you're saying, if you're just there to make a sale, whether the person needs the item or not, and if it's all about you, then we're really talking maybe more about manipulation. Whereas on the other hand, when you've got the service mindset in place and you're thinking about how can I add value to this other person, what's the benefit that they're going to get out of it? And what I've seen, at least in my experience in life, is when we serve and that person gets benefit, we also get benefit and we generate that win-win you know, that you're kind of referring to and that you're talking about. So I think that's important to make the distinction. It's not really manipulation, it's service and it's adding value. That's really what we're talking about. So if you think about it, Anna, what are the key components of good sales that are beneficial to executive leadership? If you're a good salesperson and you have those skills, how does that translate, if you will, into what executives need and how they need to show up? 
That's a great question. And I think it really boils down to, we have to break apart the stereotype of a salesperson. So when most people think of a salesperson, I spoke about it earlier, we think about a fast talker. We think about somebody who manipulates. A lot of times they will argue with a customer if they are a poor salesperson. Getting to what a good salesperson does, the key to salesmanship, to good salesmanship is to be able to listen and be present with the person that you're speaking with. I'm sure you're familiar with the guy called uh, Charles Manson. Oh, yes. And Charles, yes, I think most of us are. And Charles Manson had a way with people that he could make you feel like you were the only person in the room. One of my mentors, a guy named Ben Gay III, yes, his name is Ben Gay, and uh, he teases people and he says, and I had a child called, um, what was it, um, somebody junior, something junior, something, another, another um, pain remedy, <laughs> pain remedy, right, Anbisol junior or something like that. Ben actually had the opportunity, he was invited by Charles Manson to meet him in his solitary cell. And Ben was like, I got to take this opportunity. And he said, when he walked into the cell, Charles had a way of making you feel like you were the only person in the world. Yeah, they were the only person in the room, granted, but he had a way of being very present, which created a lot of influence. Now, of course, we know the end product for Charles Manson was not what we would want for ourselves, but it is a key to understanding that a true leader is going to set aside their own preconceptions and they're going to listen to what the person is saying and also what they're not saying. So many times we can pick up by watching, really being present, we can pick up what's important to that person and also what they might be hiding because in sales, as well as in executive leadership, you have to find out what the hidden motives are so that you can address those and find solutions to problems. So it sounds like when we're talking about good salesmanship, there are some approaches, listening being one and being fully present being the other, where you're really paying attention to what's important to the other person. As with anything, you can use it for good or ill. And so you're saying that as a good salesperson, if we go back to the service again, and if we go back to the win-win and doing what's best in the other person's best interest, you would use the listening and you would use the being fully present in service of that, as opposed to like a Charles Manson type agenda in this case. So I want to just make that clear so our audience doesn't get confused and think that we're suggesting that people become murderers or anything of that sort. Let's unpack it a little bit this way too. Good salespeople, they engage in habits every day in order to be effective. So what are some of the habits of good salesmanship that are actually valuable for all leaders? Well, one of the, I believe a foundational habit is that they engage in self-care. So that includes things like eating properly, getting enough rest. There's actually a podcast out called Sales Gravy in which he unpacks the importance of getting the right amount of sleep in order to be effective as a salesperson. 
Sometimes we can get caught up in working extra hours and then, you know, going to bed at midnight, getting up at four or five in the morning because we know we've got to be on that treadmill to get moving. And I'm sure there are plenty of executive leaders who feel they're on the same treadmill. But if we're not taking care of ourselves first, if we're not eating properly, getting enough sleep, and let's throw in here exercise. Exercise is very important. If we're not doing those things, then we cannot bring our best to the situations that arise, whether it's a sales conversation or a, an employee boss conversation. The other thing that they do is they choose positive emotions. So good salespeople, they don't take it personally when somebody says something to them. Instead, they ask questions. They ask questions to elicit conversation. You know, a lot of people think that if you're talking, you're controlling the conversation, but it's not that way at all, Dr. Karen. When you're asking the questions, you're controlling the conversation because you're now finding out what other people need. You're getting them to talk. And that's really critical in sales and in leadership. And then expect the best outcome. Maybe it's not the one you were hoping for, but if you're willing to investigate, if you're willing to listen and empathize with the person that you're speaking with or the group, then you're going to get a lot of information that's going to help you in the problem-solving stages that accompany leadership as well as sales. Those are such critical factors that I believe foundational is you have to start taking care of yourself. So if you're an executive leader listening to this and you're thinking, yeah, I should really get on that treadmill. Well, here's what I'll tell you to do. Make a commitment. You're going to wake up in the morning. You're going to put on your workout gear and you're going to go step on that treadmill. Even if it's for five minutes, just do it for five minutes. You will feel better and people will actually start to notice because uh, they're going to see a difference in you. Take little steps to get where you need to be for those people you serve. You know, that's interesting. I'm, I'm going to just say a little bit more about that. This whole emphasis on self-care, and you talked about the importance of listening. You talked about the importance of being fully present. What I also hear you saying is that if you're not well rested and you're not eating good food, that you really won't be able to engage in those critical activities at a high enough level to really be able to tune in to that prospect and to make a difference. In other words, there's some degree of work. It's like trying to run a marathon and you really haven't done the practice runs leading up to that marathon. That's what I hear you saying is that's how important the self-care is because you need that ability to be out there to do the listening at a high enough level and to be able to serve the client. That's really important. So let me pivot to this question. Outside of public speaking, for many people, sales, that's one of the areas that's most frightening to people. And especially when they're dealing with no's and they're dealing with rejections and all of that. And you mentioned earlier about not taking it personally. So what can people do to get past their fears about approaching people and dealing with rejection? Well, the first thing I'm going to tell you to do, and people don't like to hear this advice, but it's really important advice. And you have to just do it anyway. You have to step out. You have to approach people. 
And when you're getting those no's, you may have to unpack it a little bit. You may have to step down a step away from the conversation. So you've hung up the phone and they said, no, maybe politely, hopefully politely, not necessarily always politely. And then you sit back and you can look at that and maybe talk to somebody and say, what could I have done differently? What could I have done better? And the good news is because you're going to get back on the phone or you're going to get back into the meeting or wherever it is the next event you're headed to, you're going to have an opportunity to change something, try something new and see if that works. What I like to tell people is no is not about you unless you're being a jerk. And I'm assuming that nobody in your audience is that way. What you really, really want to do is you want to take that as a learning experience. You want to realize that it could be that the timing was bad. It could be that there's something going on. So for example, my first mentor in sales was Eric Lofholm. And he tells a story about how he had been speaking at this event. Guy says, hey, I need you to come and train my company. So the following week, Eric calls the guy and has to leave a voicemail. The next week, Eric calls him, has to leave a voicemail. Eric is calling him on and off now for almost a year. And then Eric gets a phone call from the guy and he's expecting him to say, who do you think you are? Stop bothering me. Well, it turned out that right after Eric had met the man a year before, the man's wife served him divorce papers and they had to dissolve the company or they had to move her. She was a partner. So they had to move her out of the company. He could have taken it personally, but something came in the way. And when I run into those situations, I always tell myself, no is not never. No is just not now. And that helps me to go back out, polish myself a little bit, give myself a little pat on the back because that's really important. And then I go back at it. And I recommend that people do that. And especially in a leadership situation, maybe you have to back away. Maybe the solution, people aren't ready for a solution right then and there. But if you show that empathy, if you listen, if you're asking the questions and you're showing true care for the individual or individuals, you'll be able to go back into that situation and address it again. And I'm sure that executive leaders have people they can talk to. Go talk to somebody about it. See if they can give you some enlightenment, but get back in the fray and move the situation forward. So it sounds like a lot of things that you're saying here. Number one is kind of like a Nike thing. Just do it. That's that's (laughs) number one. And then secondly, no matter what happens, don't take it personally, because there are a lot of reasons for no that may have nothing to do with you. Yet at the same time, you also want to use it as a learning opportunity to figure out you know, what could I do better? How could I serve better? And you iterate your process each time that you're approaching it. Those are some of the key things I heard you say in that last segment there. So how else can sales skills prepare leaders to turn difficulties into opportunities? Because you've been talking a little bit about that. Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge that there's a problem. And you have to own your responsibility in the problem. This isn't about taking blame. This is about saying, yeah, we have a situation that we need to work through. And, you know, I've been saying this often through the conversation that we've been having, Dr. Karen, but one of the key things is 
is the whole listening piece. Listen carefully, ask questions, because a lot of times, especially when you're working with somebody, um, an employee or a manager underneath you or somebody who's struggling with a situation, or you found out that there was a personality clash or the myriad of things that can happen in executive leadership, oftentimes by just asking questions, getting them to talk, they may actually come up with the solution and be open to that solution. So for example, I have an employee and uh, she'll come to me and she'll say, we have this problem. And I go, okay, so what's going on? Tell me what's happening so far. So then she tells me, and I said, well, so what do you, what would you do if you're in my shoes? And she comes up with a solution. And sometimes it's something I haven't even thought of, but it's something she's willing to take ownership in. I let her do it. And then if there's a problem with it, she's had a valuable learning experience. I've had a valuable learning experience. We go back to it. I listen again. I ask the questions and I help her solve the problem. And that's really a key sales skill. Now you have to set aside your own agenda though, because sometimes you want to make the decision yourself because you just know how to get there faster, quicker. But in leadership and also in sales, what we want to do is we want to empower people to create the solutions. So you own it, you talk to them about it, you help them find the solution, and then you let them run with it. I think that's really critical. That's really huge. As a matter of fact, I'm a real big proponent of the whole concept too of co-creation. And you're talking a little bit about that as well and not being wedded to, you know, our own agenda. If we're listening deeply enough, we're going to find out what's important to that client, what's important to that prospect. And then we can facilitate them coming up with something that's going to work for them. And sometimes it's something where we can still participate and still serve them, but it may not have been what we were thinking about at the outset. So sometimes they want to start at a different place and that's fine. That's great. And so it's being willing to be flexible is what I'm also hearing you say about this. So now, Anna, I know that you were also a homeschooling parent and you had seven children that you homeschooled. So I'm going to ask this, how have you built sales and influence preparation into the curriculum that you teach your children? That's a really interesting question because what we taught our children, we figured we couldn't teach them everything there was that they needed to know. Although I didn't follow traditional curriculum, I didn't follow traditional methods, I leaned more toward what's called unschooling than traditional school. Now, unschooling didn't mean that they didn't have an education and we didn't do math or anything like that, but we tended to work around things that interested them and tried to keep them engaged that way. Interestingly enough, even though we were not teaching traditional curriculum, my children, when they tested on standardized tests, usually tested in the 90th percentile or better. Interestingly enough, What we did teach our kids was how to think, how to think and how to research solutions to their problems on their own, which I think is very critical to sales and leadership. 
It's very interesting because some of our children who have started to work in the business with me also have these very critical thinking skills. And right now they're kind of young and so they're, they can spot like a really salesy person and they respond to it accordingly. The next step is to teach them not to respond that way, but to start to ask those questions and to be more sensitive and to listen to other people. So I don't feel that I've got the process down very well, but I continue to teach my children through my life and through working with me. So I actually have three of my children who work with me in my businesses and they're learning valuable skills in marketing. They're learning how to sell themselves. They're learning sell themselves in only the best way. (laughs) So I think in working with me, they gained a lot of valuable skills that they've been able to take and use in their own lives, in their respective choices of work. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So I love the way you said you're teaching them how to think and you're also teaching them a little bit how to conduct research because if we're thinking about our prospects, that's what we have to do. We have to understand them and go a little bit deeper, if you will, to get to that level of understanding that makes a difference and leads to the win-win kind of a solution. We know that sales and and leadership come down to conversations that occur every day. And you're now talking about the kinds of conversations that you're even having with your children in the business and using real life work. I mean, your own business to actually model and teach them what to do, you know, and how to be effective. So if you think about it, what is your best advice to executive leaders that come from the world of sales that can enhance their influence with their followers? What else can they borrow from, let's say, the sales world? I think the key to all of this is realize that when we're with people, it's human being to human being. It's not about the CEO and the assembly line worker. It's all about, this is a person, I'm a person, let's have a conversation. Drawing from my black belt experience, I remember when I first got that black belt on and I was extremely proud, extremely intimidated. And what I found was that because I suddenly felt like I had this standard that I had to measure up to, which I didn't feel comfortable that I had measured up to, my actual performance deteriorated. And I wasn't as effective as a leader because I was so busy worrying about being the black belt. And this happens in sales and it happens in leadership. Forget about any stereotypes. Forget about what you're thinking you're supposed to be. Instead, just be human. Be present. Understand that person needs affirmation just like you do. And if you find yourself reacting, you can just be honest with them and say, you know, I'm not ready for this right now. What I'd like to do is think about it. And can I get back with you? I mean, we just have to be human and honest. And I think when we treat each other with that kind of respect, that that goes a long way in giving us more influence over the people that we serve. Yeah, I love that. So it's being human, being respectful, and not getting sort of sidetracked by titles, getting sidetracked by all of these externals, just really showing up authentically, again, with the sort of mindset of serving, even serving your employee or 
you know, serving your coworker in that sense. And if you come to, I've got talents and gifts to bring, they have talents and gifts to bring, and you sort of like engender that mutual respect, it leads to a good outcome is what I hear you saying there. I was just going to say, I've seen it. I've seen it in churches. I've seen it in organizations. I saw the Air Force leaders who were effective. And I saw the Air Force leaders who were not as influential. And the ones who were influential knew the rank that they had to hold. They knew that they had to provide the vision and the direction. But they also were there to acknowledge and to support the people who were part of the mission. And I just, you know, those are things I strive for is to make sure I'm doing that. So I'm still on a big leadership journey myself as a business owner, as a leader in the community, a leader in my church. This is constant growth and learning. And if you're willing to do that, then you have only up to go. Yeah, I love what you said. I mean, it's constant learning and constant growth. That's how we have to think about it. Think about all living organisms. If you're a plant, if you're a tree, once you stop growing, you really start dying. That's really the bottom line. And so basically you're saying if you're going to stay alive and stay lively, you've got to always be learning, always be growing in that sense. So now, Anna, I know that you are a best-selling author of Black Belt Selling, Closing with Confidence. And so tell us a little bit about that book, what readers will get out of it, where they can find the book. Well, the book came out of my podcast. So I had interviewed my first sales coach, Eric Lofholm. My daughter and I interviewed him and he just dropped some really good nuggets to people who probably think that they're not very good at sales. And so what you'll find in the book is you'll find a lot about the kinds of mindset that you need to build in order to be able to close. Because the fact of the matter is that when it comes to closing sales, the person who has the more confidence is most likely, well, not most likely, will win. But confidence isn't about cocky. Confidence is about knowledge. Confidence is about doing the things that we've been talking about. So if you want to get a hold of that book, you simply have to go to amazon.com, put in black belt selling, closing with confidence, and I'll pop right up. I'm also working on my second book, Tweet and Sell. The book is primarily about how to cut out the noise in Twitter in order to use it effectively for your business and primarily in Twitter chat. So I'm very excited about that book. It should be published in the next three to six months. That's very relevant, talking about Twitter right now, too. And we mentioned your podcast. Let the audience know where they can find you on your podcast as well. Well, you can find me. We have Black Belt Selling episodes. You can find those on Spotify, Google Play, Apple. Um, You can also find Sales Mastery with the Amazing Women of Power radio. Well, it's not radio now. She's just got a whole network. Raven has an entire network. And uh, definitely you can pick that one up on Spotify or you simply go to my website at annasheller.com, go to the podcast tab and all of my episodes are there. And if you have a question about whether what you need to do to be better at sales, I do have a tab there that says book a free consult, get on my calendar. Let's have a conversation to see what it would take for you to have your sales breakthrough. All right. Wonderful. So now 
people know how to get in touch with you. So before we end today, Anna, I have one final question for you, which is this. You know that my audience is predominantly executive business leaders. So what additional words of wisdom do you want to leave for my audience of executive business leaders? First of all, I want to thank you for how you lead your companies into excellence and greatness. And if there's anything that's going to excel, help you excel even more, is to keep an attitude of gratitude with you every single day. When the days get rough, you just have to step back and remember something that you're thankful for. That will make a big difference in everything you do. Thank you so much, Anna, for being my guest today on The Voice of Leadership. I really appreciate you being here with me and for you sharing your wisdom with my audience as well. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Karen. You are welcome. And let me say to my audience out there, to The Voice of Leadership, you have heard it from Anna today. And she says, thank you for leading with excellence in your organizations out there. And she also just inspires you to continue to make a difference. You are here for a reason. You are here for a purpose. So use your influence to actually make that difference and to fulfill the purpose that you're here to fulfill. So thanks for being with us today. And we'll see you next time on The Voice of Leadership. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.